this one writes itself. Like, we do a po- we're doing a podcast. This one speaks itself. Yeah, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, when I, I saw <laughs> when I saw them getting down in the first quarter, like at the very, very beginning, uh, you never get that feeling of like, oh man, this is happening again. Okay, when Rondo was banging in threes, <laughs> yeah, he was you banging him home. Rondo. <laughs> you know how I feel about this Bulls team as a whole. You got Paul Zipser looking like Larry Bird in the corner with that leaning three. I kept saying to myself, not again. But, <laughs> but the Bulls threw the first punch, but the Raptors threw the last punch. That's oh. the most cliche thing you could say of this <laughs> entire game. How many game stories tomorrow are going to leave with that? Oh, the, the first. Bulls threw the first the punch. punch. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Robin Lopez, you know, throws the first. I mean, even Serge Ibaka, like, he connected on his, but Robin Lopez missed it. So. Why do you want to fight a guy that's, like, survived and lived through a Congo war? Yeah, but. I don't want to fight a guy like that. That doesn't really make any like any sense to me, you know. They had the, I don't know. Maybe there's like some. I remember Matt Barden saying that there was like a perception, or you said that Serge Ibaka is like a fake tough dude. Fake yeah, tough I laughed guy. at that. Yeah, I think that was a couple of years ago because he was on the Clippers when he said that. And uh, they, was, yeah, he was yeah. in a dark place, Matt Barnes. You know, Clippers were uh, they were they were just on the come up then. So I, I know Matt Barnes, Matt Barnes is, is like, yeah, he's a tough guy for real though. Yeah, Matt Barnes is on the Warriors now. He's just like, yeah, man, Serge Ibaka is tough as tough as hell. <laughs> uh, there's a lot to start with in this game. I mean, to break it down in terms of, you know, it, there's a lot more than just the fight, snapping 11 game losing streak, mm-hmm. um, the Bulls playing way over their heads, and we really? finally it was saw the games? real Bulls tonight. Yeah, it was 11 game losing streak. Wow. Right? <laughs> I looked that up multiple times because I go, come on, man. 11 games? Are you kidding me? I know it's a, a punchline joke, but 11 yeah, games? Yeah, I didn't know it was 11 games. Yeah. Damn. We're finally over the hump, man. Run to the other side. I think this is going to be a big win for their uh, the remainder of the season. I mean, it obviously impacts like the Chicago playoff chances, but just for the morale and fighting through stuff. And people always talk about, you know, you have to find ways to grit out these games with these super close games. So the Raptors finally being able to do that with uh, Kyle Lowry is, is a big deal, man. You got to hit all the buzzwords, man. Character <laughs> win for the Raptors tonight. A lot of heart, momentum. You got to hit all these buzzwords. That's what Grit the and grind. You got to get like Jack and Matt here. You know, oh, I man. love how Jack. I saw you tweet that out. Matt tries to say something, and Jack's like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> he speaks over. Yeah, he's I so swear crazy. he's doing it on purpose. Especially at the end of the game, I swear he's doing it on purpose, man. You gotta love his passion, though. His Matt's like, the Raptors win, uh, DeMar DeRozan, this is the greatest game that has ever happened in Raptors history. <laughs> okay, so in the context of the Eastern Conference, this win now means the Raptors are a half game back of the Washington Wizards, third place in the East, that's pretty big deal. The Raptors have a considerably easier schedule down the stretch, too, in comparison to the Wizards, so third seed, I think I think it's doable. It's, it's not that it's doable, I think they're going to get it, let me put it like that. Yeah, no, 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 it's happening, it's happening. I mean, the Wizards have one of the, like, the harder schedules in in the league going forward, and plus all, most of their games are away games, I think is only. I think they only have like four home games or something like that, something crazy like that. And the Raptors uh, get a nice mixture of home and away, but every team they play until the Cavs, which is the last game of the season, is a below 500 team. So Thank you, Atlantic Division. Yeah! <laughs> Thank you, Eastern Conference! <laughs> Woo! So, third seed should be... Yeah, should, it should be where the Raptors finish. Yeah, which isn't that bad. 
Because the third seed is essentially the same thing as the second seed. It's just that you play one game, it's that seven game series against the second seed. It's gonna that game seven is gonna be Celtics, away. Man, give me it four. Give me that undersized Celtics team. We, we can feast on them. We yeah, man, feast. I could definitely. Yeah, it's, but they could definitely beat them. You know, Kyle Lowry is better than Isaiah Thomas. By the way, you know how hard it was to not open this podcast with like a Dan Levitar style rant and just go off on the Bulls. And <laughs> Give it to me again. Yeah, Give that's it one of my to me again. <laughs> Jimmy that's Butler. Jimmy Butler. He is a waiter for the Toronto Raptors, giving us the victory. Uh, oh, what's his name? What's his name? Valentine. He has no Valentines. <laughs> 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 Jim Hoiberg, you mean Jim G- Glacier? I don't know, CEO man. I don't know how he does it. He must have like a script, right? I'd imagine him and Poppy, and they just get together and they write this stuff out in the morning, right <laughs> yes. before they go. You know? He'd probably have a field day with Paul Z- Zipser, Zipser, whatever his name's irrelevant. Go home, <laughs> Paul Zipser, Paul No Sir. <laughs> That's some love-third stuff. <laughs> you know what that kills me, though, is when you look at this Bulls team play on so many other nights, and if you're watching them, you either A, really love NBA, or B, you don't really like yourself. I know they've been hot recently, but mm. they're a difficult team to watch just because of the style of basketball they play. They're trying to play pace and space, but when you got guys like Michael Carter-Williams playing, that's a problem. He's awful, by the way. Yeah, he's actually, he's he's actually pretty bad. And then the, it also speaks volumes about Cameron Payne, where Cameron Payne is not even playing. He's in the D-League right now. And they traded away. Man. They traded away two starters for him. <laughs> or sorry, yeah, was a yeah Taj Gibson and McDermott. Doug Mc, was Mc, was McDermott starting? Yeah, so two starters for a guy that's in the D League—that is a terrible trade. Well, you look at the the uh, Bulls tonight too. They were what fourteen to thirty-seven from three. That's very uncharacteristic for them. I know that was like they were like at one point I like think eleven for twenty-two or something like that. It was ridiculous. And then they came back to life in the third and fourth quarter where we saw the real Chicago Bulls. Was <laughs> that more the Raptors playing better defense and the intensity got up or was it the oh, Bulls man. falling back down to earth? It was both, but especially in the second, I think it was the middle to the end of the second quarter. It was like around the six-minute mark of the second quarter where the intensity, the defensive intensity ramped up. I got to hit all the buzzwords again. <laughs> right, but uh, is actually what happened, like, You'd see the Raptors like getting underneath their their opponent, right? And it's not necessarily something we're used to seeing uh, prior to, or before the All Star break. Man, I'm trying I think to. It th- was a lot deeper too than just uh, the Ibaka fight. Like, dude, PJ Tucker was a beast tonight. Debo was all over the place. Locking down Jimmy Butler like that—that's that's not an easy task. And I know Butler still got his points, but you saw at the end of the game the shot he put up at the end of the regulation. Sorry. And at the this end of the game, those were both contested heavily by uh, P.J. Tucker. And he plays a physical brand, man. For those people that haven't watched him, he's been like this his entire career. But he's also been all over the place. You know, he went to Europe. He had to reinvent himself a bit. Mm-hmm. Phoenix, you don't see him as much. But this is how he's played his entire career. And now I think on the grand stage, which is Toronto, because, you know. The national hey. stage, my friend. Well, national stage. 10. And basically oh, every offensive and defensive efficiency, so you know, you know what that means. <laughs> basically, every game he plays now is on the national stage in, in Canada. I bet you there's more fans in, in Toronto than there are in Phoenix. Oh, I'll, <laughs> I'll agree with that wholeheartedly. Right. Plus, you know, you get to play for a winning team. People. My favorite thing about Toronto is that they love grinders. 
you know, I think that's a hockey thing. And I think I mentioned this before where it's just like they love grinders absolutely like to the core. So like his defense, you know, he's he scored what, eight points this game? Like hit hit a couple threes. But just like the defense, people love watching excellent defense in Toronto. I was thinking about it. if imagine if like the Grizzlies existed in Toronto, the they would they would never trade anybody. <clears throat> because folk of heroes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They become folk heroes. And PJ Tucker is getting towards that I wouldn't say folk hero, but like fan favorite. It's definitely it's definitely every year there's a fan favorite. Okay, last year it was Bismarck Biombo. This year it's gonna be PJ Tucker. Book it. Oh, hundred percent. The narrative's almost gonna come too where the Raptors must sign must resign PJ Tucker. We're almost getting to that point. Yeah, the heart and soul of the team. How could we possibly lose him to another team? He's not even making that much money. I, I'm not sure of the exact contract right now. He's but, making peanuts right now, right? And he's like a legit, legit piece for this team. I mean, he played how many? How many minutes? He played 33 minutes. 33 minutes tonight, right? Damari Carroll with 18. You know, what? <laughs> I mean, even Norman Powell only had 16. Like he's pretty much circumvent the entire rotation now and he's like a like a major major piece well he cleaned up on the glass too 10 defensive rebounds a lot of those came in the fourth quarter in overtime and for the most part when Ibaka was out of the game which was huge because they needed somebody to help clean up on the glass you saw guys like Tucker and even DeRozan getting back in there it was just it was awesome this is this is was peak Raptors minus Lowry and now insert Lowry and that'll be your playoff Raptors yes (laughs) yes that's an optimistic approach but that's what you're hoping for yeah, man, I'm I'm excited for that. One of the my one of the best thing or biggest things for that Tucker lineup is like he was playing the four, right? It was him, Demar Derozan, Van Vliet, Corey Joseph, and Patrick Patterson, right? And he was playing the four, and he was basically he just became the rebounder for that team, and he skies for the rebounders rebounds, man. And like any fifty fifty rebound, or it's see, his. yeah, it's his. And I wonder what the size of his hands are because I know that. Um, like most good rebounders have massive, massive hands, and I wish I somebody would measure them. We can probably <laughs> find that if we go back to Draft Express or somewhere. I'm, you know, we'll look for that after. I'm pretty certain we can find that somewhere. Right, because yeah, because yeah, he's able to get fifty fifty balls a lot, and I know like J- JV is able to get a lot of fifty fifty balls, and like Kawhi Leonard is be able to get every fifty fifty ball he puts his hands on. Same with like Rudy Gobert. And they got and those guys have huge hands, right? Yeah, massive. Right, so I'm, well, I wonder how big his hands are. We That's kind of, we- <laughs> uh, at least me, I've started this pod like frantic fan mode. Right, we can, like slow it down a bit here and probably pick away at a few things that we uh, we observe at the Raptors. I mean, how about that rotation? Well, what's up with the hockey changes? Oh, it's on the, the first half where Casey's going five in, five out. I don't know. I don't know what he's doing right now because <clears throat> you know with the roster rotations, he's. What he's doing, well, what I, what it seems like he's doing is, um, it's like a almost like a tryout. He's like doing beginning of the season stuff at the end of the season. You know, like so, your Patrick Patterson will get Patrick Patterson at one point only had like eight minutes, and then he played like sixteen minutes in a row to end the game. Yeah, he closed out the game. Right, but then you also have Delon Wright gets five, and then Van Fleet gets nineteen. Right, and if you know, if we're looking at a game, you know. If we're looking at the Detroit game or uh, <clears throat> or the Pacers game, like those minutes might be um, inversed, right? So I think he's just playing. I have a theory with that too. I think he's just riding whoever's hot. I don't think it's a specific match. I mean, it's kind of a specific matchup, but not really. Like I really, really, really need to go back and like really look at it to see if he's matching it, like matching personnel to the opposing personnel, or if he's just 
whoever's hot stays on the court and we're just going to ride those dudes. I think he's just trying to basically see who he can play when Lowry gets back. And I think it's a huge gamble on his part because he just wants to get the defense right. Mm-hmm. And basically what they're hoping is that once Lowry gets back, that's the antidote to their offensive problems. The problem right. is right now with their bench is they can't score. And that's usually Kyle Lowry's role. And the problem at times with their starting five is that they're too dependent on DeMar DeRozan. So I think what he's fig- trying to figure out is who can play defense and playoff-style defense. And once Lowry gets back in, we're going to get points anyways because he's that offensive, that much of an offensive dynamo. So right. I think it's kind of a gamble on his part, but that's the way I see it when I look at it. Yeah, and you said that like they depend a lot on DeMar DeRozan on that first unit. Like They also have Serge Ibaka for that first unit. And he had... 16 he actually had 16 points in this game so imagine if he played the entirety of the game he probably would have had like around 20 or 25 or something like that yeah and, easy uh, i mean the rosen finished night with 38 shot attempts right so he's just <laughs> he's basically <laughs> en- entering kobe mode and i'm gonna take every single shot available yeah the kobe de bryant almost had 40 percent of the almost <laughs> half of the raptor shots tonight he had 40 percent so it's crazy but that you know, when they miss Serge Ibaka like that, then they have to depend on him. Like, they have no... I mean, JV is an option, but not really. So, so when you miss that Serge Ibaka to the fight, man, uh, it's, it's going to be difficult to win. Luckily, they pulled I see back. what you did there. I see what you did there. <laughs> Efficiency-wise, I know I joked around about earlier, the Raptors are top 10 in offense and defense, joining now the San Antonio Spurs, mm-hmm. Golden State Warriors, and... I don't. I don't know if the Jazz are in there. I think they're really close, though. So, you know, that's basically the trade of a title contender. Yeah. Shh, don't tell them. Don't tell anybody <laughs> yet. Don't tell anybody yet. Don't tell a lot anybody of NBA, yet. Like experts and pundits were poking fun at that this week about how you know, hey, the Raptors are for real now. Yo, don't sleep. Don't Analytically, sleep. sleep is the cousin of death, my friends. Don't tell them anything. Last year, let them sleep. Let them sleep, and then when the Raptors like bring the Cavs to seven, be like, what? <laughs> Who could have, who could have thought this, this would happen? And then, you know, we're gonna be there, you know, like Kermit the Frog sipping our tea. Like, yeah, man, they were top ten in both offensive and defensive efficiency, but that's none of my business, you know. <laughs> so I'm taking it as you're buying this narrative, then. <laughs> buying it, yeah. You just, you know, you summed it up well. Yeah, I, I'm in. I think it's a like a seriously good team. I can't think of any. I can't. Maybe the Wizards are as good, but the Wizards are starting to falter oddly. They're like the most hot and cold team in the NBA. So it's Cavs. Yeah, exactly. So it's just like the Cavs and then the Celtics. Or, you know, I, I believe the Raptors are better than the Celtics. Teams made better, even though the, reflect, the, the record doesn't reflect that the Raptors are better. They're definitely better. And uh, the Wizards are, you know, in a swoon. So there's the Cavs and the Raptors for me in the East, man. I'm predicting them to go to the Eastern Conference well, Finals. Again. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm all on board with that. And I, I am saying Cavs in seven as well. I'll go on record and say that all day. This this team, roster breakdown-wise, like what they have is better suited to play the Cavs than they were before. Right. It's not exactly, exactly analysis, but just look at it. The only thing they that... They match up way better. The only thing that, like, is troublesome is, like, if, man, if Kyle Lowry wasn't injured, then we'd be able to see, like, the wrath of this team. And especially now that it's, like, that it's a right-hand injury, that, it's like a ser- that could be a serious problem. But... Just, you know, you you got to think about it. You know, when I go to sleep, this is stuff that I think about. <laughs> Kyle Lowry actually on actually on the squad. He's going to make a huge difference. Huge. Even if he can't, even if he can't shoot that well, 
the fact that he can give them another perimeter threat is massive. This team needs that sorely right now. And, and on top of that, his ability to drive and kick is kind of, you know, he could kind of go into J-Kid mode and just facilitate the offense. Either way, he's helping his team immensely. Right, and plus other teams just respect the shot, like the way he shoots from the outside. So even if he's not hitting them, there will be eventually be a point where he starts hitting them or, you know, the the, the defense would just, you know, they, there's only two options, so they'll always load up on Larry and DeRozan. Basically, like last year, even though they were struggling, teams still loaded up on them and were forcing other people on the squad to beat them. But now there are other people on the squad. Serge Ibaka, say hi. Right. So aside from Serge Ibaka, P.J. Tucker, you look at their record, it's not the greatest. But obviously this team has changed when you watch them play. What's the one thing that you've observed that's changed the most for this team? I, I hate to say it, but the culture. <laughs> really is just like, um, here's another another uh, catchphrase for you guys. Tough-minded. All right. Scrappy. <laughs> <laughs> tough minded never say die attitude scrappy <laughs> yeah, never say die everybody brings their lunch pail and their hard hat yes to play. <laughs> <laughs> but really it's like the raptors have ad- adopted this um this tough minded attitude you know where they let instead of getting down when they were down instead of getting down emotionally and more and the morale falling in the beginning of the game they rallied back you know they're just like you know Serge Ibaka just got kicked out in this fight, we got to win this one for him. You know, it's not like, oh, man, we lost our guy and we already lost Lowry. Ah, it's over. Do you see what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. Right, so I think that's the biggest change so far. Because, you know, Kyle Lowry's injury, you got to find other ways to win games. Right? And you can't you can't get down on yourself because people are out. Well, they're digging deep. Yeah, they're <laughs> digging deep and then all heart. <laughs> I think another thing too is the rebounding. Tonight we saw that they out out rebounded the Bulls fifty to thirty nine. Um, again, that's just some of it was just PJ Tucker just deciding to have a different mentality and mm-hmm. take over the game attitude wise. That was definitely one thing on the glass. But I think that's something the Raptors have emphasized a lot more going forward. Although I do agree with you, the culture it's a nine day difference. Now look look when they had that players only meeting after the horrific loss to Oklahoma City. Beautiful dime by uh, Russell Westbrook, by the way. Mm-hmm. That was insane. But that player's only mean they had. I'm sure Tucker, Abaka, DeRozan, you know, a lot of these guys were piping up and saying, what the F? We're a lot better than this. Come on, guys. And then they're just there's just a new leadership. There's a new voice in this locker room, and I feel like it's rejuvenated the Raptors, which is a testament to what you're saying. Remember at the beginning of the season where we said the oldest player on the roster was Kyle Lowry? Yep. Right, and then, you know, we... If he's the old head, they're kind of looking to him for advice and stuff like that. So when he's injured, so when he's injured or where he's like playing poorly, like there's nobody, there's no guy. Like if you have an older player on the team that's just like a vet, he doesn't really matter how much he scores because he affects the team sort of on the court, but his major role is off the court. You know, if something something's going on with your girl and you need somebody to talk to or, you know, your shot's not falling. You need somebody to talk to. You're not going to talk to the best player on the team. Be like, man, you know, I'm really sucking right now. The best player on the team is going to be like, you need to make your shots, man. I'm doing all the work. But if you're talking to, like, the old dude that, you know, he gets in for, like, five minutes a game. He hits a three. But really, he's there to just, like, not be the babysitter, but be, like, the... To be the guy to just, like, look over, look out for everybody and just make sure everybody's okay. Now. 
right? So that's what PJ, I feel like PJ Tucker is that way. Every time he speaks to the, <clears throat> to the media or to any of the players, like he is that guy, right? He's Debo. He's Debo. This is his yard now. <laughs> <laughs> right? And uh, he, he doesn't have, he has a major role, but it's not like he's scoring 40 a game for the team. You know, he's on the major score. He's a person that's, you know, scrapping away. And he's a person getting rebounds. He's a utilitarian on the team. Right, and if that person is the vo- major voice for the team, that makes you want makes other people want to do those utilitarian uh, things to help the team win. For the record, he is the oldest player in the Raptors too. Now he's one year just 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 shy of one year older than Kyle Lowry. Yeah, but he so. seems significantly older in just like his mentality and the way he looks. For some reason, like he just seems like an older dude. Well, let's face it, PJ Tucker's playing in the wrong era. This is a guy that belongs on the nineteen eighties. Bad Boy Pistons play next to Bill Lambeer and Dennis Rodman. That's where P.J. Tucker's a perfect fit. He just happens to play in this new uh, 3 and D era where he fits into that too, but his attitude is all 1980s, early 1990s. Yeah, exactly, which is great. The Raptors are still trying to become a 90s squad, another 90s piece (laughs) to make them better. Well, that's Casey's dream, right? Play D, 90s relic basketball. Yeah, play, play, play D, get rebounds, make sure you get offensive rebounds. And, uh, yeah, just play defense. What do you make of the Raptors trying to incorporate more motion offense principles? I know we've seen them kind of run high screens with little motion cuts on the underneath the basket now. Um, sometimes it works. Other times it leads to long, long dead sets. Mm-hmm. Thoughts? I, pff, you got to do something to get, you know, DeMar DeRozan is going to do most of it, but you got to do something else to get um, to get people open. So you can rely on those pick and rolls for Kyle Lowry, and like yeah, they also have like regular sets with Kyle Lowry, like those horn sets. But uh, Demar Derozan doesn't do the exact same things as Kyle Lowry. Let's just say that. <laughs> so they got to yeah, find other ways. They got to find other ways to get people open. So they got to do those motion sets, even just even just to get the defense moving side to side, just to get those seams open. So I'm I'm appreciative of it, right? But um, you know, it's necessary at this point. I don't think it's going to be like you know world a world beating type idea, but it's definitely necessary. Well, I think peak Raptors offense when they're trying to incorporate the motion stuff is uh, is what we saw in the fourth quarter with uh, Corey Joseph and Patrick Patterson. Mm-hmm. Those two made such a difference for the Raptors. I mean, spacing, their ability to just kind of not necessarily crash the glass in the perimeter, but come off screens and actually force guys to switch, and they were doing that without the ball. So that was huge for them. I know I know DeRozan ISO was what was getting most of the hype there, but there's a lot of good things they were doing without the ball as well. And that's what helped DeRozan, you know, get the looks he's getting. Yeah, it's, just, it's little little things and little nuances of the game that go unnoticed to most fans because, you know, we're watching the ball. Most guys don't watch what's going on without the ball. Yeah, exactly. But I think that's something that's a big difference and hopefully we'll see those two get used a lot more going forward. Although, I don't know, man. Patrick Patterson's been enigmatic to say the least recently. Yeah, man, I, we talk about Patrick Patterson every pod. Every every piece has a little bit of Patrick Patterson sprinkled into it. It's like, what is going on? But uh, he, I think he's going to come through. He came through today, man. He had, what, two blocks, two two or three blocks? And he had that huge putback when uh, DeRozan missed that finger roll. Right, so he has a place on the team, right? It's just that he shouldn't be, like, a super major piece of the team, but he, has a, he is a significant part. Like, he hitting that three... Get in the rebounds. Small ball five. He's a bench piece, dude. That's a great bench piece that you, that's, you can hear. Want. And that's what him and Damari Carroll both are now. I don't know if they're going to have like concrete roles, but I guarantee you there's going to be 
quote-unquote moments where you have Damari Carroll or Patrick Patterson stepping up in a big way. And if you're the Raptors, you hope those are in the postseason because guys like that coming off the bench, playing in situations where they're not used to playing, but they can, and now they are, they're going to have moments. And it's just going to be... It's going to be a lot different for this team. And it's a big role adjustment for them as well, right? These guys are used to starting, playing 30-plus minutes a night. Mm-hmm. Now they're down to what? Anywhere from 15 to 25 a night? It's yeah. a big difference. This is, what you, this is what happens when you have a tribe called bench, man. When everybody on your team... Everybody, <laughs> like on, everybody on your team has like somebody to, something to contribute in different the scenarios, right? So that's when you're going to get games where Jakob Pertl plays 13 minutes, so sometimes he plays five, you know... You have Corey Joseph playing 43 minutes. Sometimes he'll only play 20. You have Van Fleet playing 19 minutes. Sometimes he'll play 5. Sometimes he'll play 25. It all depends, man. If you're if you're playing well, Dwayne Casey is showing that he was like, man, you just play good and you stay out there. That's all you have to do is play well. Play, play defense and shoot threes. And it, and sounds, it sounds so simplistic, but really, play defense, shoot threes, hustle. And that's why he loves uh, P.J. Tucker. And P.J. Tucker is... I wouldn't be surprised if PJ Tucker was uh, wasn't starting sometime in the playoffs. I think he's going to start without question. I think you'll see. Hmm, I'm trying to think here. Abaka, JV, Tucker, DeRozan, Lowry. Like that's probably what he'll go with. Mm-hmm. Although I think we both want to see JV come off the bench. But this is something we've talked about at length on other pods. <laughs> right, right. Ah, man, this is a great win. Honestly, this is probably the best win of, in the Raptors season. Hey, this is going to be the one they look back on and say, this is what propelled the Raptors season forward. You know, all those cliches. I know we've been hitting buzzwords and cliches <laughs> tonight, so might as well keep up with it. Propelled their season forward. You know, this is a, a, an inflection point in their season. <laughs> a gargantuan win that propelled the Raptors and changed the momentum in the Eastern Conference. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, man, the buzzwords are so good. All right, let's let's segue to the national schedule a bit here because the hot topic right now is rest. Saturday night we saw the Cavs bench pretty much everybody that was important. You know, LeBron, Kyrie, Kevin Love, they didn't play. Um, weeks before that we saw the Warriors bench their players. We've seen the Spurs do it, mm-hmm. although I feel like the Spurs, Popovich just does it because, you know, he's Pop. But the point is we've seen a lot of superstars sit in marquee games this year. Why? Yeah, do you agree with that? Those, I think it was like Saturday the Cavs rested. Uh, everybody, the big three. And then, like, last week, Saturday, they did the same thing. And then, you know, <clears throat> Adam Silver is like, he basically types up a message of, like, bro. He was basically was saying, <laughs> yeah. It's like, what are you doing, you crazy? Stop resting fools on the weekend. We got nationally televised games. Well, here's what he probably said. You guys not see the TV deal we just signed and all these new, you know, the salary cap boom that we just went through? That's because of the new TV deal. Nobody's watching these games if you're benching your stars. Bench exactly. them on like a Tuesday night. Don't bench them in primetime games. I think that's their biggest issue. Yeah, that is a huge issue. I mean, he really did. Like, there was an actual email that was released that he sent to like league offices, encouraging like owners to be involved in that resting situation, right? So, I, I, the the it's it's difficult, man, because there's nationally televised games like every day at this point. Um. If you, it's hard to get away with resting people, especially if people are showing up in MSG, right? And you're supposed to be playing the Cavs, and uh, LeBron isn't playing, Kyrie Irving isn't playing, Kevin Love isn't playing, and uh, they're not playing because it's you know they're 
their doctors are saying like they should not be playing this game or it's like a back-to-back and like it's the second game of the back-to-back and it's like you know you're more likely to get injured then or if it's like four games and five nights or something like that like they're gonna rest them you know so it's hard to it's hard to really suss out the solution i think the solution is pretty simple they got to go back and they got to redo the schedule they can't be doing these four games and six nights and back-to-backs like they got to spread it out more and I know they're going to argue that, you know, okay, well, we got to fit it all in this certain amount of calendar of the calendar year, TV rights, all that stuff, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's twofold here. If the players want to make all this money, they got to play in these games, and if the owners want to make all this money, they got to work with the players a bit here too, right? I feel like it's just like the never-ending CBA argument, but what that's what think, has to happen. What do you think about reducing the number of games? I'm okay with it because I don't think there's enough good teams in the league anyways. I feel like there's 10 to 12 teams that are so far ahead of everybody else mm-hmm. that if you reduce those games, you're just going to put more importance on them having to win these games early as opposed to, man, come on, let's face it. Nobody gets up for playing the Nets in a, a Wednesday night in a March. <laughs> like, that's, reduce that those is, games. That, that's probably. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, everybody plays 82 and the Nets just play like 50 games, you know, and we just. Just, just less, less Nets games in general. There's no more Nets. The Nets are bringing guys off the street to maintain their 11-man rotation. <laughs> KJ McDaniels hasn't been playing basketball. He just came in. He's in their rotation. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's bad. <laughs> KJ, I mean, he's had a... <laughs> KJ McDaniels had moments, man. Yeah, way back when. <laughs> when he was on the 76ers, he had moments. Oh, that was like three years ago, but still. You just can't do it. The other side, too, for the, the teams, you could take the Warriors approach we saw last year. Just absolutely throttle teams in the first half and third right. quarter and then sit your guys for the whole fourth yeah, quarter. Yeah, the whole fourth quarter. But you have to be that's good you have to be good enough to do that. Yeah, that's true. Well, yeah. the Cavs are good enough to do that. Yeah, absolutely. The Cavs are good enough to do that. But. Uh, yeah, I'm, just, I'm thinking about maybe they should reduce the number of games. Just the more and more I've been thinking about it, I'm just... You know, you kind of, if you reduce the number of games, you kind of do all the things we're talking about artificially. So, like, there's less back-to-backs. Or maybe there'll just be no back-to-backs. Just eliminate the back-to-backs. No more back-to-backs. Right? And those four games and five nights, those maybe it'll become, like, three and four nights or something like that. Just make it, you just have to, there's too many games in succession on the schedule. Right? You can get, like, uh, back-to-back, and then you have, like, two days off, and then you have three games and four nights. You know, they've, that probably doesn't exist right now, but, like, that's just an extreme example for, like, just to show how, um, like, ludicrous the schedule can get. If you just reduce the number of games, you know, maybe you don't have four games and five nights. Maybe you only have, like, one three game and four nights and back-to-backs no longer exist and everybody's happy. Well, additionally, if you're going to reduce the games, let, let's let's be... Hmm. I'll be a bit generous here. I'll say they'll, they'll take away six games if they reduce the schedule. Mm-hmm. Go from 82 to 76. Another idea I think they should throw in there is uh, during the football season, we know the NFL's king. Monday night football, Sunday night football, primetime games, they draw insane ratings right. in comparison to what a general game would on like a Tuesday night. If I'm the NBA, how about we just don't schedule any games on Monday night during the football season because why is it going to hurt our ratings, you know? Yeah, but then it's bump the games off on like a Tuesday, this. on Wednesday, Thursday. Just just bump them on off days of the football schedule, so you can try and draw ratings more on those games. Because when you get more ratings, you're making more money, more mm-hmm. eyes to the TV. Like it's just it's all a ratings game for them to draw money, right? Okay. So why compete with the NFL on those days? 
Okay, that makes sense. I don't play any Sunday games, but (laughs) just evade the Monday game just during the season. Then when the season's done, hop right back on that. Like they've tried to make this whole Saturday night primetime thing that where they've Mm -hmm. been advertising a lot more this past year. At least I feel like I've seen a lot more. Yeah, yeah. So why not do that? Push that a little harder during the football football season. Something you know. Okay. That's what the NFL's been so king at is that you know once the a week rarity, Sunday yeah, and Monday Sunday. are football days. But then you also got Thursday every once in a while. And <laughs> those games gotta go. Those, games, those are god awful. They, they have what? They have Sunday, Monday, Thursday. Don't they also have another day sometimes? Like Tuesday? I swear they have Tuesdays every once in a while. No, they have. Uh, they'll have the Thursday. Sorry, not Thursday. They'll have the uh, odd Saturday game during the holidays. Ah, yeah, yeah Saturday, Saturday. If like there's like a Christmas game or something like that. Right, but so that's, I'm not saying just play, you know, don't play Mondays, period. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but I think during the football season, they should explore maybe, you know, moving off those days a bit. So it's like Nets, Nets, Timberwolves on Sundays. Yeah, I see. <laughs> I'd be good with that. Like, okay. if, it's, if it's Patriots, Packers on Monday Night Football, and you have, I don't know, Cavs, Warriors, right. tell me who you're watching. The majority of the world of North American sports world is going to watch Patriots, Packers. Right. Okay. I, I hate to be that guy, but that's how it's going to work. So why not bump that game off onto something else? I just think they gotta they gotta put these these games in a better scheduled spot. So you're if you're the NBA, you're okay with being basically bullied off of certain days. Of, I don't. To, to I mean, your... people could take that perception as being bullied off. I think it's just more strategic on their part. Okay, that's an that's an interesting concept. I was saying I was just toying around. I don't know how many games this is specifically, but I was just toying around with like you just do like. Monday, Wednesday, Friday for basketball. You know, you, then you have like Sunday for football or whatever. You know, they, I know you it's, know, it's you a, like three games. It's of, an out there idea, but yeah, that was just like I was. Pretty much every podcast is talking about this. That's part of the reason why we're talking about this. But also the the league letter that went out is pretty interesting because you never really that like rarely happens. So yeah, I just I don't know. I I don't know how many games that is specifically. I'd have to look at my calendar. I'd have to recalibrate some things, but I'm pretty sure that's a game. Like that's a reduction, right? And uh, it is. And having it just on like three days, that's pretty nice, man. You just get uh, a couple of days of like a rest. Rest. You get to rest Tuesday, right? You get your rest on a uh, Thursday, and then Saturday, Sunday, you got no games. Maybe they want to do games on on the weekend. You know, do Saturday. You like Saturday, Tuesday. Maybe you probably want your Friday too. Actually, you probably don't want Friday because people go out on Friday, right? So, I've, well, even that. I mean, you could put games on those days, right? Mm-hmm. I just think that the prime time games, prime time games, draw the most ratings. Saturday or sorry, Sunday night and Monday night, they should just avoid during the football season. And it's funny because Mark Cuban, years ago, he he called the NFL. He said they were pigs at the trough. They were mm-hmm. making money hand over fist, and they were getting greedy. And they were expanding these games on Thursday night and you know Saturday during the Christmas season. He goes, what the NFL has done so well is that they put their games on Sunday and Monday. You know when they are? It's just those the are like designated football days time. without having to say it, you know? Mm-hmm. And he, for him saying that, I think the NBA could kind of follow that suit where they could designate certain days that are NBA days. Like primetime games are played on, let's say, Friday nights or Thursday nights, like what they do with TNT. TNT okay. is Thursday night, right? Why don't they hype that up a bit more? Mm, okay. Make All it right. an event. That's right. why people watch. That's why we watch the NBA playoffs. It's an event at this point. That's very true, especially the first round, first, second round. I mean, every round, really. But, uh, yeah, it's just like the, kind of like the NCAA tournament, but uh, there's yeah. less upsets. <laughs> but even like Monday Night Football, you know, 
it's just another game on a Monday, but we just hype it up by calling it Monday Night Football. Mm-hmm. Like Thursday Night Basketball, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I mean, maybe you don't say it like that Thursday Night Basketball. Yeah, we'll, we'll work on it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. This is, it's it's interesting because then even when you if you're gonna reduce games on the schedule like the revenue if it's only by six games then it's not worth it because you're not creating enough scarcity where people are gonna want to pay more money to uh, come to games or pay more merchandise so it'd have to be reduced by a significant amount if you're gonna if you're gonna get the revenue back because then you're just to see create, what they make per game because you're just like create. Because if you're reducing the games, right, then the the way to make money through that way is by increasing rarity of the games. So, or truck sponsorships on the jerseys, which we're going to see more. Oh, dude, the death of the game—that is it, right there. That is the death of basketball in its purest form. It's a business. I, I hate taking the other side here, but that's what it is, right? These owners don't give a shit as long as they turn a profit. They're making a ton of money, and they can do whatever they want. This is a, this is another toy for them in their portfolio, with maybe the exception of guys like you know Not Mark Cuban Lakers. and a handful of other owners. But this is just really a toy in their portfolio. I guess I don't know. I, if it was my toys, I don't want people branding my. I don't really like people branding my stuff in general in life. I don't really. <laughs> they're gonna pay you though. Major bucks. <laughs> I'm with you. I mean, they're not even. They're not even the sponsor. What was the sponsor? Oh man, it's not even get off my line. It's just like I'm (laughs) trying trying to maintain the sanctity, the sanctity of the game. Um, you're not even getting paid that much money. What was how much was Philadelphia getting for their for their StubHub thing? It was like one million dollars a year or something like that. It's like it's pennies, bro. That's nothing in the grand scheme. Um, well, here look at teams in soccer. Obviously, like Man U and. All of the big names out there. Does having advertisements on their jerseys change the way you view their kits? Bro, it's called kits over there. When I was there. a kid, I um, I just ne- I never knew the name of the teams. I never <laughs> understood how the teams got named because it never said their name on the on the front of the of the of the jersey. So I'm like, is this team just like the Chevrolet? Like the Chevrolets? I don't. I'm serious. This is what I, I'm not even joking. This is actually what I thought. When I was a kid, because I used to watch basketball, right? And you have, it's just the jersey plus the name on it, right? So it's easily defined of who's who. But if you look at, like, if you look at um, Neymar's jersey right now, like, who's even. I'm going to Google this real fast. Right, we look at the jersey, it just says Qatar Airways on the front. Are they the, are they the Qatar Airways? Like, you see what I'm getting at here? Like, it's. Yeah, the, I do. I do. <laughs> has this huge. Huge print, Qatar Airways, and then like the crest of the team is like on the upper breast. Like it should be, if anything, it should be the opposite. So if I'm just trying to envision that right now, on like a Celtics or Lakers jersey, and I, I don't think there's any pretty way to put it. Yeah, they're just put it like on the bottom. Guys are just gonna tuck it in. Yeah, exactly. So they've been going with they've been going with like the shoulder type patch to get. What about the shorts? Do you put on the shorts? You could probably put it on the shorts. If you're going to do it, you could put it on the shorts. I mean, I wouldn't be that mad. Okay, but people... Yeah, I mean, like, most of the good shots you take are headshots anyways, right? Yeah, and they're, like, from the waist up. So, I can, I can live with that. I can live with the shorts. Leave the shirts alone. Leave it I don't alone. know. It's an interesting conundrum that the NBA faces because they can't keep having these players sit. Yeah, play. it's becoming, like, a real, a real deal now. Before Never it was... Never mind a real deal. It's embarrassing for the league. 
Yeah, that's true, man. When uh, you're playing stuff on national TV and LeBron, LeBron, the worst, the worst part about it is, um, there are two, there are two bad parts is when it's DMP rest, they'd be like, yo, are these guys just taking a nap at home? Or, and then the second one is, oh, they're not taking a nap. They're just sitting on the bench watching the game. You know, like the fact that the player is at the game watching the game in their suit. I feel like that's another, like, it, nobody's talking about that, but I feel like that's part of the reasons. It's like, why aren't you playing, dude? You're here. You're available. You're not injured. Play. He's just sitting on the bench, like, joking around with the rest of the roster. Well, if they're going to joke around like that, I wouldn't mind seeing them, if they want to capitalize on this market, force them to be on social media, do, like, a Periscope or Ooh. Twitter, you know, NBA from the bench and get it through the eyes of these superstars. Kind of like what Joel Embiid did during oh, the uh, Rookie Challenge. Oh, yeah, Periscope Maybe or, like, Snapchat like that, you know? it or something. Okay. Get a little sponsorship going. That is... That... That'd be interesting. I think people would tune in and watch that. Yeah, like, I would if absolutely. If not playing, I want to see what he's doing on the bench. That is that is an Call excellent. Call like, I don't know, NBA Unfiltered or some shit like that. That is an excellent idea, my friend. And we we might have to cut that from the podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should probably get like the, the patent, you know, like go to the patent office, copyright it, trademark it. It's like, it's ours, man. Let's go to Shark Tank. Oh, Mark Cuban, man. Mark Cuban. See, we have our in right there. <laughs> there we go. We're good. <laughs> Did Mr. Wonderful the back in and we're set. Yeah, exactly. And then and then we're off for part of the NBA. Wow. Even Bob, our friend Bob, people of the podcast that listen to the podcast don't know who Bob is, but you know who Bob is. Bob is, he sent me just an email. What a game. So It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. Took a 16-point deficit, but the curse is dead, if you want to call it a curse. <sighs> yes, and it's a huge comeback for the Raptors, man. Great game. Well, one would say the Raptors now have more life. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I was waiting for you <laughs> to get into this. Most horrific segue of ever, like, ever but. So is does he, sh- how long is that tour going on? Does he finally show up now? He has to. <laughs> <laughs> hey, by the way, that fan that showed up with the poster... I hope you listen to the podcast. You better you listen do. to this podcast. Hit, yeah, man. Hit, hit one of us up, man. Send an email, Twitter, or something, man. That is Anything. too funny. We that was get a... you on. And now every other podcast talking about it too. I know it's trendy because you know Drake just album. dropped more life. He's the apple of pop culture. He's the talk of the town. He's the talk of the world. To be quite honest, so I get it. Mm-hmm. But he's our Drake, man. He's our Drake. Yeah, he is. He's still on. He is still on tour. He's got to show up. That's, that's, he that's has to. <laughs> I mean, he. I think he's going to show up in the playoffs, man. He'll eventually he has to, or else, um, or else we're going to see more signs like our friend here in the crowd. Well, they're just going to you know transition the brand ambassador to Navbatia. He's going to oh, become yeah. the Raptors' new global That'd be brand so ambassador. So awesome, actually. Hey, he's recruiting at the All Star game this year, trying to lure Demarcus Cousins, Paul George, anybody that was rumored to the Raptors. He was talking to. Me. <laughs> Yeah, man, you know, it's like uh, the music's great, the food's great, it's cold, it helps you build resilience on the court, man. It'll hook you up with cars. Yeah, exactly. So now, Nav, Nav, we're on to you, man. <laughs> Let's make a deal, buddy. Oh, man, what were, you, what were your thoughts on the album? Or I liked it. The, I the, it the kids are calling it a playlist. A, well, yeah, I was going to say, it's a playlist. Let's get it right here. Let's be politically correct. <laughs> Do you think he called a playlist for contract reasons? 
Um, There's been a lot of talk about how you know he didn't call it a CD probably because of some contractual reason. Right. Uh, that's interesting. I haven't really read anything about that. There's the fact that it's a playlist. I just feel like he's or he's calling it a playlist. I think he's just trying to trying to be trendy, some sort of trend. Well, he could feature on every song, right? Like he could literally just kind of pop in and say a few words, and people would still be happy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, exactly. That's but, one thing I noticed is that. Yes, he incorporated a lot of his favorite styles and genres into it into one, but he showcased a lot of other artists, more specifically the UK grime guys. You know, yeah, that was something that people are criticizing him for, but I think they're just mad that he got onto something that was hot before they did, and he blew it up. Yeah, that, and I think just people that listen to his music don't listen to grime music. I mean, I guess we, I would consider us. I could would consider you and I very far outliers in anything like basketball or pop culture related, right? <laughs> <laughs> and um, right, we've like either we've known about the grime artists or we least, at least heard of them. But I don't think like your average Drake fan is you know paying they attention. Know who Skepta. To, yeah, maybe yeah, maybe they know who Skepta is, but they're not really paying attention to anything Giggs does or anything in the UK. I don't really think they're pay, uh, paying attention to that. So. And what's wrong with Drake kind of branching out and doing something different? And the people ripping him for singing and being kind of poppy R&B-ish, like, you guys have been ripping him every CD he drops. Every that. single CD. And it's like, bro, this is, if you're, it's it's gone so on so, for so long, it's like, are you just, like, hate listening to it? Like, this is who he is. You know, well, he has some <laughs> vision. I mean, look, what's, what's easier to do? Sing or rap? Rap's easier. So his voice is still good. So he's going to sing now. And when he gets older, guess what? He can rap then. Yeah. You don't need a voice to rap. Yeah, exactly. You can sound, you can sound basically like you're chewing gravel while you're rapping. That is, yeah, what, man. Look at future. You the essence, yeah. The it's just like the essence of mumble rap is basically that you don't really need to sound. You don't really need to sound good to rap. You can make some weird, weird, weird sounds, right? So, the nice little soft trap music on there too, with the flutes in the background. Not bad. Yeah, that was great. That reminded me of um. The song by Migos, and it's it's weird that Quavo was also on it. It was called uh, it's called Bando. Yeah, right? yeah, and actually. Ryan right? has the I'm same. That, yeah. It's like the fl- I don't know if it's a flute or like a piccolo or like a recorder. <laughs> I don't know what it is. But I'm <laughs> but a fan it, of it. Yeah, me too. And it, it kind of reminded me of that Dram song. Um, damn, what was the name of the song? It was him and Lil Yachty were on it. Broccoli, right? Yeah. Where they also had like the flute on it or the recorder. I think it's a recorder, man. Because it sounds a lot, it sounds a lot like my fifth grade uh, elementary school. (laughs) (laughs) I I remember, (laughs) I remember the sound vividly. Hot cross buns, my friend. No comment. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, oh, one last thing with the album too. Before we say like favorite songs and whatnot, Um, I love on Blem how he uh, he kind of incorporates that whole six man talk. Yeah, and I I love that because people eat it up, but they don't really understand it. I wonder. Tell me you've seen that image of, like, a person after listening to More Life, and it's basically just, like, their iPhone. And you know how you can go into Safari and you can see multiple tabs? And it's, yeah. like, what is Skepta? Or, no, who is... <laughs> yeah, it's, like, what is Skepta? Who is Giggs? Right? What does Blem mean? And what is a Waste Man? And I, I was dying, bro. I feel like everybody knows Waste Man, but... I don't well, know, if maybe you, that's just because we live in Toronto? Yeah, if you live in, like, um... If you live in Minnesota, does anybody really call anybody a waste man in Minnesota? Well, he's a waste man over there. <laughs> <laughs> you can already picture that stuff. No, no, Minnesota's not like that. Yeah, exactly. 
but like if you live in minnesota or if you live in like san antonio or if you live in like kansas right this is not iowa part- yes it's not in it's just not in your lexicon to say waste man blem or if somebody one of my favorite lines on the song it's on blem too and it was it's like move from me when you're extra and i was a part of i actually started laughing so hard because I'm Jamaican. I don't know how. I don't think people that listen to this podcast know that, unless you know me personally. But I'm Jamaican, right? So most of Torontonian slang is like Caribbean slang, or it's Jamaican. Yep. So for him to say something like that on a track, when I've heard it in my house, or ever I heard it in like you know parties or friends in high school or something like that, for him to say that on a song was probably one of the funniest things I've ever heard on a record in my life. Yeah, I was crying that whole. That whole song was basically about like just just Toronto people in general. Mm-hmm. Like you could relate that to so many different situations and scenarios where I was just crying. <laughs> I'm just thinking of different people that could fit that song. I'm like, oh my god! And they're gonna they're gonna listen to it like, yo, dog, true say true twos. This song this song talks to me, volumes to me. It's bless. You can just hear all these idiots out there. Yeah. You know, fam? No, I. Nah, whatever, man. Just keep playing. Oh, it's blessed, man. Oh, man. It's great. It's great. I mean, he's been incorporating it into his past few albums, but, like, this one specifically, his playlist, you know, that song specifically, it was great. I love, that's probably my sec. I would say my second favorite song on the album. What's your favorite song? My favorite song is actually Sacrifices with him and 2 Chains and Young Thug. Really? Okay. Right. I got a bunch, but I, I hate to sound cliche. Passion fruit, passion fruit passion number fruit. one, yeah, a good one. I, I understand. Keep a rhythm, that one's good too. Right. And four four two two and teenage fever. Oh okay, bam. That's like the beginning. That's like the, the first five tracks. It's like Mediva rhythm, blam, uh, uh, dragon or passion fruit. I always say dragon fruit by accident. But yeah, that's <laughs> <laughs> that's like the beginning of the of the album. I feel like that gets the most plays, and that's why I think most people like it. Is like you know. The first half an hour, you're just listening to those tracks, and then yep. you know, it's 22, 22 songs long, and it's it's. I don't know if he realizes that twenty two songs is too many songs to have on an album where you can. Just, he could like, take out a few. Yeah, for sure, right? Um, I don't know that the length is an issue with him. He's always had this issue with just like having too many songs. But I love I love Passion Fruit. I love Blem. Uh, I love uh, Sacrifices. Teenage Fever is good too. Well, you know what I did? I I listened to the album for, uh, first front to back. Sorry, I can't even speak. Mm-hmm. Front to back, then I listened to it back to front. Ooh! I'm and I was like, that. okay, because I, I just want to get a kind of a vibe of how the artist wanted to lay out the songs and more or less the mood mm-hmm. of the album. And you could see how Drake's kind of changing the tempo and the mood as he's progressing through his what he calls a playlist. Mm-hmm. So I found that pretty interesting about it. Listening if, from back to front, I have not done that before. Try it out. See what you think. Okay. Well, yeah, that was I don't know it, if it's just me being weird, but no, I think it's a I think it's a cool idea. I know you got the whole artist of the month thing. I've always been a big fan of that. Right, right. I, I might have to revisit Drake because um, I was thinking about where people were talking about this is on the internet where um they're trying to figure out which his best albums is from worst to best. And uh, I was hearing a lot of different albums that I would consider not the best. 
or not the worst, right? Like I like thank me later, thank me later a lot more than take care, but that's how take care happens to be everybody's favorite Drake album. So I have a f- feeling I need to revisit the albums, re-listen to them. Yeah. I feel like take care has kind of became the unanimous number one, whereas views has became his worst. Apparently. Yeah. This is worst. I think, it, I mean, I, I thought it was his worst too, but I was surprised to be like in the majority of that. Cause it was such a hyped album when it came out. I think it was his worst in context of how great every other one has been. Mm-hmm. I think that's what people forget about it. It's not that it was shit. It was just he's had so many good ones. Yeah, that's true. It's going to be interesting, man. I'm I'm interested to see if he shows up, and I'm interested to uh, to see the fallout of uh, this album or playlist. And, uh, you know, more life drops. The Raptors win. Sounds like a great week to me, man. Hey, hold on a second. Before we go. The Leafs too last night, you know. I, I gotta bring them in. Here. <laughs> okay. Think about the last forty-eight hours for Toronto sports. The Leafs had a monstrous win against Boston mm-hmm. to go within one point of third place in the East now, or of the in the Atlantic, sorry. And then the very next night they flipped the court over into the hardwood, and the Raptors had this monstrous comfort behind victory, cutting in a sixteen-point deficit, snapping an eleven-game losing streak. When's the last time Toronto sports has had this great of a two nights? It's been a while. Uh, yeah, I can't even think of it, man. I mean, I probably like Vince Carter winning the Slam Dunk Championship, and then literally just like the day after was just <laughs> basking in the afterglow. <laughs> Those might have been but two back to back wins for a team, though. That's true. I, I don't think it's I don't think it's existed. So we're it's been a long time, man. What a time to be alive! <laughs> Golden age of Toronto sports. We're entering it apparently. I thought we were. I thought we we're in it right now. I think we're in it. I don't know. I can't really speak too much towards the Argos, but it feels like we're in it right now. The Argos. I love how you included them. (laughs) How about the Rock? How's how's the Rock doing? Hey, we got a rugby team now. Do we? News. I don't know what they're called, but news. We break news here on the Tip of the Tower podcast. Probably see an article or two up on some sites in the the near future. Can't tell you when, but I got to learn more about rugby first. (laughs) Right. I know there's a try, and that's what I'm going to try to do with rugby. Yeah, we're done. We're just done. <laughs> yeah, see where we're at, rugby. <laughs> we're at rugby. <laughs> this is what we've resolved to, guys. Oh, man. All right, I'd like to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of the Toronto Raptors podcast, brought to you by tipofthetower.com. As always, you can follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Tip of the Tower. You can subscribe to the show on iTunes and SoundCloud at Tip of the Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Crystal Granitz. You can follow Damar on Twitter at Damar J. Grant. Enjoy the victory, guys. We'll be back probably in a few days to talk more Raptors. Until then, take care. Take care, guys. Shout out to Bob. <laughs> <laughs>